Welcome to the Christy Taylor Show. Thank you so very much for being here today. I'm excited about today's show because it's going to be talking about two things I love. That's music and film. And to help me talk about that is someone I've known for a long time. And I do quite a bit of work within the city of Memphis. And I'm excited to have a conversation with none other than Angela D. Green Esquire, founder of the Green Law Firm, where she is in the area of legal practice for entertainment, real estate, and corporate. She earned her Bachelor of Arts degree in telecommunications from Purdue University, West Lafayette, and her Doctorate of Jurisprudence degree from Indiana University School of Law. She is also executive director of On Location Memphis, Inc., which is a nonprofit known for producing the International Film and Music Festival in Memphis for and in 2016. She even launched Memphis Music Bank, which is a music licensing house for film, TV, and other visual media. And over the years, Ms. Green has represented or worked with Larry Dotson, the former lead singer of the Barcades, the Funk Master Tour, Mr. Dale, Molly Music, Little Round, Black Rock Revival, and various artists and entertainment companies across the country. She has served also as a guest panelist for the Franklin International Film Festival, International Black Film Festival, the Memphis Music Foundation, the Memphis Music Commission, Atlanta Gospel Fest, Bobby Jones Gospel Industry Retreat, and NAMFAM. I want you all to help me welcome my sister and my colleague. <laughs> Good evening. Good evening, Christy. I'm fine. Thank you for having me. I appreciate that. You know, reading all that, I keep remembering. I have to, I remember to forget, or should I say, I forget to remember how much you have done. <laughs> uh, yeah, I forget that too sometimes. <laughs> like, yes. Just roll on, just done. do it. It definitely, it definitely has been a lot that you have brought to the table and i'm excited that tonight we're going to get a chance to have a good conversation this afternoon about all that you have going on now first of all as far as attorney green you have represented quite a few people and that was just a fragment of those that you have represented or worked with now let's talk about your love as an attorney in the music industry even though you do real estate and corporate law well i mean Actually, Christy, when I moved here in, to Memphis, which was back in 1998, yeah, I moved here right out of law school. And, uh, and what brought me to Memphis was gospel music. I was interested in working in the gospel music industry. I had interned with a local gospel label in Indianapolis. And so with Tennessee being known for gospel music, contemporary Christian music, I thought, this was going to be a good place as any to go ahead and get my license. I have family in Memphis, so I had a connection with Tennessee. And so that's what brought me here. Um, but after getting here, passing the bar, you start working. The first law firm that I worked for, they put me in the real estate department because um, I have to, you know, get an, I have to um, make an income and <laughs> make some money. And so they put me in the real estate department. That was the breadwinner of the firm. Of course, I still had the opportunity to pursue the, the entertainment law areas, but I had to help them with that area. And I really uh, I really enjoyed it and I learned it and I kind of leaned into it. And so, um, so over the years, I've pretty much built both of the practices. 
Although with Memphis, Tennessee, the way it's structured as far as the business side of the music industry, it was just easier for me to make a living as an attorney on the real estate side than it was as an entertainment attorney. And so that kind of just led me down the road to the nonprofit sector um, and using my entertainment law experience and background in that area because of what we're trying to build here in Memphis as far as the, uh, the business side of the industry. Now, you really spoke about a great segue to the nonprofit arm and the community. Memphis definitely, even though it's historically a music town, a lot of the infrastructure of industry has gone or gone for various reasons. And Correct. yet the nonprofit sector has really stepped in to help. Can you talk about just the general and then we'll talk about how you segue into your current position? So, well... Memphis has many nonprofits. I mean, several nonprofits here. And with us being such a music city, many of those nonprofits pretty much um, they focus on that area, whether it's uh, music, the education of it, whether it's on developing the skill of creating music, um, many of the nonprofits here. And so since I've been here, there's several that have come and gone. The Memphis Music Foundation and Memphis Music Commission, both of those that I've done workshops for, neither one of those are here. But what replaced them was Memphis Music Town, you have Memphis uh, Music Initiative, you have um, our organization, which is On Location Memphis, you have um, Memphis Slim House. Um, so just several nonprofits that have pretty much stepped in to try to um, educate our artists and try to um, just get them prepared for the industry. because. That's just in the DNA of Memphis, right. I've come to learn, you know, creating music and that whole creative community that's here, um, that's what they do. And so those organizations have stepped in to do that. And so myself being an entertainment attorney, going to, you know, provide my services at these different organizations, either doing, uh, sitting on panels or doing workshops on the business or copyrights or things of that nature. Um, I just really uh, was able to kind of get in that community, that nonprofit community. Um, right. On Location Memphis was actually initially on the film side. And so I actually, you know, what led me to that was the desire for my artists who I was representing. They were always interested in getting their music placed in film and television. And how do you go about that process? And just by happenstance, I was taking a workshop at, um, the Memphis Music uh, Foundation, I was in a class, actually a production class, because I'm, I'm really interested in learning all areas of anytime I represent someone, whether it's on real estate or music, I, I get very interested in all areas of what they do. So I actually took a music production class just to, just to learn, just to see what it was all about. And in that class, a young lady invited me to a meeting, a planning meeting for On Location Memphis. Um, which was uh, they were planning their film festival that year. I had never heard of them, did not even know Memphis had a film festival. But I thought if I'm interested in getting music placed in TV and film, this wouldn't be a bad place to start to learn. And so I attended that um, that meeting um, and the rest is history, <laughs> so to speak. Um, and so, you know, that was back in 2010, I do believe. Yeah. Um, Tell me this, what were some of the things prior to segueing into the nonprofit sector? What were some of the things that you noticed about Memphis that stood out to you as far as a music town? 
Well, um, primarily was the fact that I, as an entertainment attorney, could not build an entertainment law practice that was sustainable for myself. That was the first thing I was, I was kind of surprised by that when I first moved here and just, and ultimately ended up uh, staying because I initially was planning to move to Nashville, but then I just um, pretty much stayed here in Memphis. But I noticed very early on that I was not going to be able to sustain myself on that. Um, Many artists that I would speak to, um, they just, just did not have the income. They were not generating the income from their music in which for for themselves to even uh, build a life or uh, you know sustain their own um, living off of their music. And so that was uh, that was quite interesting and that and you know of course I recognized that over the years. Um, many of them had a pretty good grasp of the, the business side. I mean many of them knew about copyrights, they knew about publishing, they knew about the things that they needed to do, supposed to do, um, but many times they did not do it. And so um, in my law practice, I ended up developing um, an area called Positioned for Millions. Was essentially my, it was really essentially um, a way to market and promote my entertainment law practice. And it also spoke to um, the things that artists needed to do in order to position themselves so that um, they would have a better leverage or negotiating power um, in the industry. So it kind of helped. And then it also helped them build a relationship with an attorney without having to pay attorney fees. So to speak. So, we had, you know, so we created packages with flat rates and, you know, things of that nature, which were more business type stuff. So filing your copyrights, getting the publishing set up, you know, things of that nature, things that they really actually could have done themselves but for various reasons they did not do, or they felt more comfortable allowing someone else to do. So we packaged those up and we would basically do those services for them while they were building that relationship with myself. And so, and and it was through those artists that I, you know, gained through the position for millions boniker is what kind of led me to on location Memphis. Cause we started talking about the placement and the money that can be generated through music right. licensing and things of that nature. Um, but many of them, you know, they did not have, um, you know, they didn't have the background on the licensing side of the industry right. and, you know, how lucrative that could possibly be. So then that does bring us back to you being invited to a, you know, taking a class on music production and then being invited to On Location Memphis. Now, when you came across them, they were very much still considered a film festival, very indie, very, very indie. Uh, But Mm -hmm. they also had a music component to it. Let's talk about that. So actually that first year, the president who who was Lisa Bobo at the time, she wanted to incorporate music more into the festival that year. So she was very inviting when myself and actually Sebastian Banks of Black Rock Revival, it was the two of us. I, I basically tagged him along with me and said, hey, we're going to go to this meeting and, and see what's right. going on. And so um, they, and, and I think that was why the young lady who invited us, she was at the Slim House and, and, things of that nature and thought, you know, we would be good for the, um, for the planning committee. So that was the first year we, they were incorporating music a little bit more. And so Bastion actually took over and headed up that committee. 
Um, and wow. he basically um, he basically lined up all of the artists who performed, you know, during during the festival. So they either performed at the parties or they performed um, in the afternoons between the films and things like that. So he really took control of that area of the festival that year. He was the, the, the chairman of the music um, for that year. I ended up being put with the um, the filmmakers. It was um, it was an area that was called they called it traffic because essentially at that time people were still sending in DVDs um, of their films, and so you had to coordinate with the filmmakers to get the DVDs. You had to coordinate with judges who would actually um, well actually a committee who would initially review the films and get it down to a, a manageable number, and then we would. Um, send it off to the judges. So I pretty much ended up working directly with the filmmakers during that time. And so that's when it really kind of clicked <laughs> on how all of well, really, it what clicked me, for me was how it paralleled the indie artists with the indie filmmaker. Right. And, and pretty much they were doing the same thing and they had the same challenges and the same um, goals and aspirations and um, and so I also started to realize why it was so difficult for independent music creators to get their music placed in film, because I realized that those filmmakers really did not understand music licensing <laughs> and yeah. you know, they, didn't, they didn't understand the copyrights and the licensing and everything. But but even more so for them, that music, if it's not done right or if it's not mapped, yeah. it can totally um, derail their project. It can totally derail the aspirations that they have for that project. And so that would, um, mm. you know, fearing that, you know, many times they would just, just basically bring it on in. So they made it very close to the chest, whether they just did the music themselves or they only wow. used friends that they knew. So, you know, maybe if they didn't get that license, if something happened, they can go back to that friend and say, hey, let me get this paperwork signed off on because this is what's going right. on. You know, right. you had that relationship to be able to keep that project moving forward, even if the music aspects of it wasn't 100 percent on point. So with that being the case, if you were an artist who did not have relationships with filmmakers, then yeah. it was very difficult for you to get any type of placement or to, you know, open the doors or be able to walk through the doors to that um, that area of the music uh, music industry. You know, of course, that's going to bring us to what has evolved in the last couple of years as you kind of fast forwarding as you began, began to be involved with On Location Memphis. At some point, the founder retired. Yes. So, um, well, Lisa was not the founder, but she was the president, had been the president for several years um, before and after I came on the scene. And so around 2014, um, she was just ready to to sit down. She was ready to let it go. Um, on Location Memphis has, had always been a grassroots organization. Um, right. So it was basically funded by the community. Um, some grants, um, some, you know, but mostly sponsorship, community um, donations. Um, I don't believe it had ever received any type of foundation support. So there was never um, staffing. There was, you know, paid right. staff who were dedicated 100 percent, 
you know, to the organization and to um, putting the film festival together each year. So it was very, it could be very difficult putting that on, raising the funds and then actually putting on the organ the festival with a totally 100% volunteer, you know, staff. And so, you know, after so many years of doing that, um, I can understand why she was ready to, you know, uh, let it go. And so, um, she kind of put it out there and um, I, you know, I kind of felt the organization had more to give, you know, to the community. I wasn't exactly a hundred percent sure or what, but it had a very good name within the independent film community. Um, Being an international film festival, um, you know, we, we hosted filmmakers and musicians for that matter, after we came on board from all over the world. And so it had very good name recognition. And so I thought that there was more that could be done with the organization. So um, when she said she was going to step down, I asked her, you know, would she mind if I, I take it on? And, um, and she, she, she welcomed that. And so she uh, turned the organization over to us, to me. And in two, uh, 2014, I started the, um, the journey of rebuilding the organization. Yeah and figuring out where it best fit in the community. And so um, the Assisi Foundation, um, which is one of our foundations here in Memphis that supports nonprofits, they also have a class called Before You Ask. And it's essentially a a class for new nonprofits um, to kind of help them focus on what their purpose is in the community and what they should be looking to do as an organization and how they present themselves to organizations like the foundation when you're asking for money. And, um, and even though by that time, you know, on location Memphis had been around for, I'd say. Yeah. A long time. (laughs) Over 10 years, you know, over a decade, probably going on two decades at that point. Uh, So it wasn't a new organization, but it was, (laughs) it felt like a new organization because of me and this being my first my first time stepping into this role as an executive director on the nonprofit mm-hmm. sector, and then just um, trying to figure out what it is that we wanted to do, um, what was best for the community as a whole, film as well as music. And so my background on the entertainment law side was on the music side. And so I just started um, in that class, they made a they made the point of the fact that Memphis at the time had a 30 to 40 percent poverty rate and um and you know they were making the point of this poverty rate in memphis and the fact that there were several um nonprofits who are here you know um probably the most in the city i mean the most in the state as far as um the number of nonprofits and the amount of money that runs through those nonprofits. but when they made that point about uh the poverty rate it really struck me because I started to really think about the different artists who would come to my office needing assistance and they would um, not have the funds to pay for my services as an attorney or even the services or even the filing things needed to protect their, their content. But I also recognize the fact that in spite of all of that, they still found a way to create the music. Um, and so I said, okay, you, you find a way to create the music, 
but even but after you create the music, you don't have the means to protect it, nor the means to, to monetize um, it. To monetize it. And so when I thought about that, I said, okay, um, music licensing is one of the revenue streams of the, the music industry. Um, but it also is an integral part of the film industry. And so exactly. it was the perfect seg you know, perfect match to bring both of those together, the, the history of the organization with my background in music together and to create something was that was truly needed in the community. Um, if and you actually, we're, gonna be, we're gonna be talking more about what came out of that revelation right after this. We're back with Angela D. Green, Esquire, and we are definitely getting to the good part of the story where she, in her own journey about coming to a music town and not being able to practice in a city full of musicians, but coming to the realization that her gift and her skill set could still create something. And this comes as the executive director of On Location Memphis, but realizing that the poverty rate in Memphis was impacting the creative community, particularly musicians and filmmakers. So this is where we get to the good stuff. Let's talk about what, what came out of that revelation that creatives are impacted by the scarcity of income, generating opportunities in the creative community. So what came out of that was basically a repackaging of something, an idea that I actually um, came up with for Position for Millions. Um, and that idea was the music bank. That's what I was calling it, the music bank. And essentially we were looking to um, look for licensing opportunities for artists. I never really launched that idea. It was just something that was in the back of my mind. Um, we kind of semi was working with it because we invited um, Amir Wyndham. Um, that was the, the festival the last festival that Lisa was over, we paired up with her. We brought in um, Amir Wyndham, and we, uh, who is a music supervisor, we brought him in, and we were um, trying to build relationships with music supervisors. So I actually did that under the position for million, position for millions moniker, and it was a two-day workshop. He did one-on-one -on -one, um, sessions with artists, and then we had. Uh, um, an actual session that night. And so I was kind of moving into that direction, but then I never really, it never really flourished. I never really developed right. it all the way. So in that class with the Sissy Foundation and coming to this realization, I said, well, you know what? This would be something great for On Location Memphis um, to put together. And so I renamed it the Music Bank. B-A-N-Q. Um, and I thought this would be good because 
what we're trying to do and, and, and really what we what we were going to do, it wasn't totally new because, I mean, you have music licensing websites already have been around for years. However, those organ, uh, organizations are for profit and many right. times they are. Um, you don't as an artist, even though you put your music in there and it may get licensed, you don't always um, build relationships with the people who are licensing your material and you're not positioned in a, in a way so that you could do the licensing for yourself. So you kind of always depended upon, you know, just placing your music there and just hoping that the music, you know, the money comes. And so I felt that it was important that we teach <clears throat> these artists on how to work their catalogs. Um, so their publishers, they're, um, they're creating this content, they're the publishers, and they need to learn how to work their catalog and turn it into income generating um, catalogs. And so the best way to do that would be through a nonprofit because I wanted to make sure that they maintain complete ownership of their publishing, of their copyrights, and that, but they were able to basically learn this area of the industry in a basically a controlled environment. And so um, that's what we put out the Memphis Music Bank. It is a, an administrative organization, so it's not a publisher. And we basically are teaching the publishers who, or artists who bring music to the bank or submit music to the bank, how to protect their music, how to prepare it for monetization. But then we take the next step of actually seeking out or creating those licensing opportunities. Yeah. And so they're able to generate income from their music um, while they're learning the industry. So every step of the process, they're learning from submitting their application to submit music from the bank to the bank to reviewing the administrative agreement with us. So that's learning how to evaluate opportunities to make a determination as to whether this opportunity is the best fit for them as music creators to when they actually put the music in the bank, then the helping us to market and promote and to network with the filmmakers and the individuals who could potentially license their music. Um, <clears throat> so they're, they are exposed to whoever licensed their music they get to know them, they know who they are. It's built to be, this organization is built to be a, a door, an open door for them to walk through. And ultimately that they will get to the point where they start building a name for themselves within this space where they can stand on their own and, and run their own publishing, um, composing businesses. You know, one of the things that I have enjoyed, you know, cause you, the, I think the year was 2018. Mm -hmm. The time has flown by so fast. 2019, mm -hmm. that you had taken off some time and you, because you did a couple of festivals and then in the revamp, you went silent to the point that even a film critic thought that the, that the organization was defunct. All the right. that you were rebranding and rebuilding and creating the Memphis Music Bank which you launched um, the, the fall, I think, of 2018 and 2019. 2019. And then we had a couple of really cool ideas that, you know, you invited me to host at the Memphis Slim House, learning how to bridge together filmmakers, 
and musicians in an organic way through some really fun opportunities. Mm-hmm. And then for the Memphis Music Bank's mixer competition. Correct. A filmmaker who will submit um, some pieces of a film or commercial work, and then you would have music publishers from the bank uh, in a very someone who had the best music scoring or put to that, and then have shots to our Jonathan Richmond, who is a great producer himself, as well as host of amazing talent. But then Right. Right. Uh, so we did two mixer competitions in uh, 2019. We were all geared up and ready to go for uh, 2020. The pandemic hit, and then we had to uh, <laughs> we had to shift. Um, the The great thing about the bank, the bank is a web based business, so that that didn't affect us um, at all. Um, but I was speaking with. Um, Hasella Moore from the Tennessee Entertainment Commission. And she happened to call and was like, what's, so what's going on with On Location Memphis? And I just started just, you know, just letting her know what we were doing, what we were planning. And, and then I told her, I said, well, you know, we were doing these mixer competitions at the Slim House. And I think they could translate pretty well to the virtual world. So we're thinking about maybe just doing them virtually. And so she thought it was an awesome idea. The Entertainment um, Tennessee Entertainment Commission came in as a sponsor for those um, mix, online virtual mixer competitions. And um, we were introduced to StreamYard as a platform to use. And basically, we ended up creating a TV show. <laughs> to be honest by happenstance. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the MMB virtual mixer competitions. Um, still same concept um, as far as one one filmmaker submits clips. We get we have two of our publishers sync music to those clips and then we uh, go head to head and we have our judges, our industry professional judges, as well as our audience vote on who has the best sync. And and at the end, we have a winner and uh, the winner is paid for a festival license and the feature filmmaker is able to choose music from the winner um, to license. And we give them the festival license to use in uh, any of their projects, whether currently or in the future. And uh, it's really just a unique and, and a fun way to bring film and music industry professionals together. Uh, a good way to showcase the talent that we have in the bank. And then. Um, and just a, just an awesome way to just market and promote the bank as a whole. And so that's been that was a bright spot, you know, in 2020, among other things that we're working on. And um, and we're looking, you know, to do more of those. So we have you know, we commissioned six um, mixer competitions with the commission uh, entertainment commission. And so we did two in 20. 20 and we have four more scheduled uh, for 2021. Uh, the first one is going to be February 16th. All of them are broadcast live on our Facebook page. Um, we have Miss Katie Burke, who's going to be hosting the, the February 16th competition. Our feature filmmaker is Everett Anderson, who's a local favorite, also an actor. 
and our two music publishers um, from the bank who will be um, working. Uh, this one will be Tony Forte as well as Jamil Bryson. And we're very, you know, very happy to have Ingrid Brown, who is the, the CFO for the, uh, the uh, International the Na uh, International Black Film Festival out of Nashville, as well as Mr. Shay Watson, who is a artist, composer, um, who um, basically scores film for television, television shows and, and uh, film um, for a living. And he was one of our judges from last year. So he's going to come on back and judge yeah. for us again. So um, it's just a great, it's just a, a, a lot of fun. Um, yeah. I mean, it really showcases how the music impacts the scene. You know, you're sitting there looking at the same clip. The only difference is the music. So it really just really shows you how um, that music does impact that scene. And it's very valuable to those um, to those scenes. And so we're just um, we're just happy that we, we were able to come up with something um, that was unique. It, it, I think people, when they first hear it, they're like, what is that? Huh? And, 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 really, <laughs> and to be honest, I mean, initially we were, we were, um, we were coming up with a mixer for the filmmakers. And then we said, Hey, we want to do something during the mixer other than just people standing around having drinks and talking, you know, what can we come uh -huh. up with? And so that's when we came up with the competition and for lack of a better name, we said, okay, we'll just call it Mixer Competition. And I have to give a shout out to you because I have to give a shout out because in 2019, when you reached out to me, you were like, can you host these? And it's like, can you get musicians and filmmakers in the same room? So as the creative liaison, I'm like, yeah. So when you, we started and of course got to give a shout out to our girl, Margaret, who we call AKA Butter. Mm. And uh, we, in our brainstorming sessions, you know, really coming up with that but i i have to say that it was in 2019 by the third mixer competition mm -hmm. we were like we're on to something we're on people were showing when people were showing up at the memphis slim house trying to figure out what is it because you know memphis has mm -hmm. seen it all when it comes mm -hmm. to music. Mm -hmm. and and you know in this setting you know uh, something so unique they were like okay but I have to celebrate you and what what was birthed in 2019 because we actually had a culmination, a, a testimony, so to speak, of the success because there was a filmmaker who needed mm -hmm. someone to score music and, and a deal was done. And a deal was done. It, it basically, um, it was a testimony to what we envision the mixer competitions to be and what they they will be as we continue to grow. Um, mm -hmm. All just about bringing the people who have the needs into the room together so that they can yeah. see what is right there under their nose. And so Anwar Jameson, who's a, a local filmmaker here, um, had just come back from uh, Ghana. Um, he had filmed part of the film here, the other part in Ghana. And he was uh, in the editing phase and he had secured someone to score the film um, in Ghana. But for whatever reason, that relationship was not um, it was not coming to fruition, fruition as planned. And so he was in need of someone to score his film. And he felt more comfortable if he could find somebody who was local so that they can kind of you know, can see you and touch you. And, you know, you can be right there. And so he said he and he, I think he said. He got the flyer at another event, another film 
festival <laughs> event. He was there and he got the flyer and he was like, hmm, what's this? Let me just, I'll just come and see what this is all about. And <laughs> he got there, he said it was, you know, he tells me, he said it was the dopest thing he, he's ever seen. <laughs> You know, and, and and really it does, it helps, no matter who wins the competition. Everybody wins. The talent of whoever is competing. And so all that matters is, you know, he's looking and you're getting a, a taste, you know, you're seeing how this artist is handling these clips. And he said, you know what, he he's looking at both of the artists, you know, both of them were talented and good, but then he's like, hmm, I think Kirk, I think Kirk can handle this, this film. And so... Yeah. He came up to me and, and he said he wanted to connect. And so he actually did. And um, we were able to um, put the two of them together. And then once it was clear that they were going to be able to work together, um, then we did uh, draft and negotiate the uh, the licensing um, scoring contract. And um, and it was our first success story. And uh uh, and it is exactly what we we want it to do, and we are looking forward to more of those type types of uh, success stories in the in the future. As a matter of fact, it was such a beautiful thing because um, in 2020, in the midst of us, you know, uh, having to be safer at home and social distancing, the movie did come out. The movie did come out. It is currently available for screening on Amazon. Mm -hmm. So shout out to him because he was able to place, they even went to Ghana and did a screening and premiere. Did mm -hmm. one here locally at an, our other film festival. Mm -hmm. So shout out to Anwar and Kirk, a success story from the uh, Mixer competitions. And of course I have to say this too. One of the benefits of going virtual in 2020 was the fact that we are now able to tap into, because we talked about Katie, who was going to go to Nashville and mm -hmm. now we're going to go to Van Nashville and tap into their talent pool virtually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's so many other opportunities for expansion. So I'm excited and I want to celebrate you for really seeing the vision and the need and tapping into the people who uh, are definitely in support everywhere from, from Nashville to Atlanta to LA. And our goal, yeah. uh, I can say this for you, is to tap into more music supervisors and have them right. be exposed to the amazing talent that we have here in Memphis. Absolutely, absolutely. And and just to reiterate, the, the name of that film is Coming to Africa. So I just want to make sure we do say the name of the film and it is out on uh, video on demand everywhere. So Coming to Africa. Out, coming to Africa. And also to that whole situation, really 2020, um, it really... Um, it just showed us, one, we were able to sponsor that film in the Indie Memphis Film Festival. Um, yeah. We were happy to be able to finally be able to do that collaboration with Indie Memphis. And it, it basically illustrated um, the fact that the Memphis Music Bank is a companion piece for all of the other organizations that are in Memphis, whether it's film or music. Um, the other music organizations can feed artists into the Memphis Music Bank. And then, of course, we're able to be of service to the filmmakers that are part of the other film festivals and film organizations um, to provide um, quality music that is uh, legally sound, um, reasonably priced um, so that they know that once they get this music into their film television projects, 
um, that they're not going to have issues or concerns about it. Um, also, I feel like in 2020, it really opened people's eyes to the need for what we were trying to do. You know, of course, two years prior to us launching the Memphis Music Bank, you know, we had been touting the importance of finding alternative ways to monetize the music and the importance. I mean, you know, we call it mailbox money because this is money that basically shows up in your mailbox and you sometimes you do and sometimes you don't know how you made the money, but it's, it's just the system is created. And I think 2020 and all that happened and, you know, the unfortunateness of it all, it really highlighted the need for what the Memphis music is about and what we're trying to do for the artists who are in the state of Tennessee. Um, they, they need a way to, um, you know, alternative way to generate income off of the music that they're already creating and what they're already doing. And many people can attest to the fact that those royalty checks in the mail really sustained them in 2020 when they were not able to get on the road and not able to um, have those shows where they can sell their CDs and sell their merch one-on-one um, -on -one, uh, with the audience. And so, um, you know, I was very, you know, that was one of the other bright spots that came out of 2020. Just that validation is really what it was, validating the need and the work that we're doing. And we're just looking to kind of build upon that as um, we move forward. So as artists start going back to work in the uh, different venues, that they're able to take this with them and supplement their income. That's right. Another success story that, that piggybacks on that is that there were uh, publishers who were given opportunity uh, to do work and mm -hmm. make money last year, including one of our favorite in the mixer competition. And that would be that yeah, other Rowdy. <laughs> Rowdy. <laughs> that was Rowdy. And yes. that was, and it, uh, it was, I was just so happy for Rowdy. Uh, Rowdy had been with me at the beginning, you know, um, when I first had this idea of creating the Memphis Music Bank, the website, I actually, the year before, I started talking to the music community. So I started attending the different writers workshop groups here um, and then started having these mixer, um, not mixer, but Memphis Music Bank informational sessions. And so I was hosting those, um, I think twice a month on Tuesday night and we were marketing, promoting and putting it out there. And so we would have various artists who would just show up, you know, for the informational sessions. And in these sessions, I'm telling them, this is what I want to do. This is what I would like to do. I'm not saying I can do it. I'm still trying to raise money, but this is how it all will work. And this is what we're trying to do. And what would help me is if you would agree to, um, to sign a letter of intent which basically says that you intend to put music in the bank if we are able to actually build this website. So we had several artists who said, you know what, we believe in what you're trying to do. Yes, we don't have we don't have a problem with signing a letter of intent. And Rowdy was one of those artists who basically signed that letter of intent on faith <laughs> that you know, I would find a way to raise the money to build the website. So he was he has been with us for over a year and um, and he was a part of the mixer competitions and he's always been very supportive of everything that we have going on with the bank. 
And so Lynn Sittler, who's over the film commission um, here in Shelby County, she's been very supportive of me individually on location Memphis, well before I was even a part of On Location Memphis. And so um, since I've um, launched the music bank, she's been very um, supportive in that too. And so when they received the funds from the CARES Act in order to put together a, um, a public service announcement uh, geared towards the, uh, the young adults, um, teens and young adults, encouraging them to mask up, um, she let me know that, hey, we're going to need some music, you know, for this uh, for this PSA. And, you know, we'd like for you to submit some music. You know, they had a couple of production companies that were going to submit music for consideration. And um, and that's one of the you know, one of the things I tell artists um, opportunities are going to come our way. But only if we have the music in the bank will it turn into anything. So it's very important that you go ahead and put music in the bank or at least be connected to the bank because the song that um, that Rowdy submitted was not a song that he actually had in the bank. You know, I went through the bank and we did not have what they were looking for. And so then I sent a call out to the publishers who were in the bank. Hey, we have a client, a potential client. We have a potential opportunity. Do you have music? that meets these guidelines that you can give me that I can submit. And so um, he actually had some, he had a couple of tracks that were in his repertoire and he submitted them over to me. And we were able to submit those to, uh, to the production company and the choreographer, she, you know, she liked both the tracks. <laughs> she said they were both spot on. And uh, after reviewing all the tracks that had been submitted, she came, you know, she circled back and said, hey, this is the one we want. Um, of course, I was still went to work and he had to submit all of the legal legal paperwork pertaining to that track to, to us, you know, because we still had to do our job to make sure it's legally sound. Um, but we went forward and that commercial uh, was released. Um, at the end, I think December of 2020, and it ran on uh, television, regional television, and they did social media, and, and we have it posted on our YouTube channel. But um, we were very proud of that, and I was just proud for him to realize that that mm -hmm. opportunity, that licensing opportunity. And again, it's just helping to extend our brand and extend our relationships because this is a production company we'd never worked with before. So hopefully, you know, them seeing how we do business and what we have in our repertoire that they will uh, consider us again as they uh, move forward with other production opportunities that they have. So, yeah, it was a it was a it was a nice cherry on top, <laughs> you know. For that the was a great way. That was definitely a great way to end 2020 with mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, the organization had to pivot and we had to go virtual, um, but we kept our commitment to the mixer competitions we even launched last mm -hmm. year. And thank you for allowing me to screen one of my short films during mm -hmm. the uh, Making Up film series, which focuses on filmmakers, you know, just sharing their talent and explaining mm -hmm process so we've got some fun things and for those who want to stay in touch as we get to the wrap up you definitely want to follow angela green on uh, on instagram as well as the website first onlocationmemphis.org 
onlocationmemphis.org is the hub for all things from the Memphis Music Bank, as well as some new things that are coming down the pike, as well as stay in the loop via social media on Location Memphis, um, as well as um, for those who want to go straight to the Memphis Music Bank, Memphis Music Bank with a Q. Mm -hmm. Onlocationmemphis.org is the hub. Go there to get all the information. So any last things you would like to say um, for 2021 that you can share? <laughs> well, um, 2021, we are we are our focus slightly to our filmmakers and so our, our mission as we've um, re, re, uh, rebranded our mission is to teach entertainment business through real life application for those who are in the music industry the film industry as well as the arts industries and so the Memphis Music Bank is our um, our initiative for the music industry and now we will be um, pivoting to the film, independent film industry. So we're in, uh, working on a project that we hope to launch this year that's geared um, to them. But, but again, still bringing it all together, film and music and arts all together. So that's something to definitely um, make sure you're on our email list and uh, keep an ear out, eye out for that. Um, as well as other things that we're um, looking to um, to do. And it's all about strengthening the, uh, the workforce within the film and television um, production community here. Exciting, exciting. Well, thank you so much, Angela. This was long overdue. <laughs> all yes, about thank you. you. Thank you very much and all of our business. I'm so glad that we were able to sit down and have this conversation. And thank you for allowing me to be a witness to what you are creating and excited to participate as I can. Well, I thank uh, you for always supporting, Christy. Always. I told you all she was going to talk about two things I love. That was music and film. And to be able to bring them together. Yes, I love it. Totally love it. All right, we've got more to come. Uh, be sure to check us out again on locationmemphis.org as well as go to her Instagram on location Memphis. And of course, make sure you find her on YouTube. We didn't talk about the YouTube channel. I know. Okay, so thank you to follow its YouTube channel is also on location Memphis. And let me tell you, we have some amazing interviews from our music publishers, from industry mm -hmm. leaders, across the country be sure to check us out on youtube as well all right first time to go but thank <laughs> you so very much for being here for the christy taylor show and again thank you angela green esquire